Do you guys remember the movie Braveheart? If you're a guy, you got to really love that movie. And there's a scene, and I don't remember where it is in the movie, but William Wallace, played by Mel Gibson, he's getting his, his army together. They're about to fight the enemy. And right before they go out there, he's on his horse going back and forth with hundreds of guys. And they're all pumped. He does his battle cry. And he says this, they may take our lives, but they won't take our freedom. And they all go, right, and they're all pumped up. I was pumped up. You guys aren't pumped up. Now, if you're here for the first time, you're probably freaking out. What church is this? What is this guy talking about, Braveheart? What's going on? The reason for this is that today, as we open up God's word and close our series on Ephesians, Paul is going to give us his battle cry. He's going to tell us to gear up, get ready as we go into battle. But unlike the battle that William Wallace had to do, our battle is not with flesh and blood. Our battle is a spiritual battle. And our battle is daily. But the good news is that we may be losing the battle sometimes. But the war, the war is won. Jesus Christ is victorious. But daily... Daily we struggle with that. Daily we have this battle, this, these temptations, these arrows that we're, that we're about to read about that are thrown at us. So let me ask you, what, what battle is the enemy waging against you right now? Maybe it's been a season that's way too long for you. Are you going through a season of pride a love of money that you just don't want to let go of it. Maybe you feel guilty. Maybe there's depression. Maybe there's anger, doubt, unforgiveness. You could be anxious. Maybe a lot of us coming out of COVID season have this temptation of just being too comfortable. Don't want to be active. Maybe you have fear. Maybe you want revenge. Maybe you have some addiction that you just can't overcome. Maybe you're just overindulging too much on certain things. Maybe... The enemy is throwing an arrow at you right now of division. And you're gossiping. And you're spreading lies throughout. Let me just say this, church. The enemy is real. And the enemy never rests. It is a daily battle. Let me also say this, that I believe when it comes to spiritual warfare, we may take it to two extremes. One extreme is this. And I've heard some of the churches here in Laredo teach this. The enemy's not real. Hell doesn't exist. But then the other extreme is the fact that everything is spiritual. The enemy did everything. There's a demon behind everything we do. Oh, I got a flat tire. It was a demon with a flat tire. No, you just went over a nail. And we tend to excuse these things. Well, the enemy made me do it. No, you just made dumb mistakes. The enemy had nothing to do with it. It was all you. And some of us, when we take it to that extreme, we're fascinated with it. And so we dig into these things that we shouldn't be digging into. But no matter what, I know this to be true as well. Churches don't speak about it as much as they should. And the enemy loves that. Because the enemy wants us to be fearful. And as we're going to see today, that is not what God's truth tells us. And one of the things that I want us to, to know for a fact, because it's biblical, once 
somebody puts their trust in Jesus Christ, when someone becomes a believer, the enemy doesn't stay back and say, uh-oh, now it's over. No. The enemy attacks more. See, the truth is there is no prosperity gospel. Once you become a believer, I believe things get even more difficult. It's not cruise control. It's not an easy life. As a matter of fact, John 16, Jesus says this, that he's talking to his apostles right before he's going to be crucified. He says this, you will be persecuted. In this world, there will be turbulence. There will be attacks. All sorts of things are coming your way. Trust me. But then he says this, but take heart. I've got it. I have overcome the world. That's the truth, and that's the foundation we're going to set before we move forward. So if you're going through some struggles, if you're going through a season where the enemy just keeps on attacking, you're probably asking yourself, how? How can we be victorious over our struggles, over our daily battles? Well, the answer is here in the Bible. So we have your Bibles with you. Please open them up to Ephesians chapter 6. We're going to conclude our series. What a wonderful series it's been. So we're going to pick up where we left off last week. Ephesians chapter 6, beginning in verse 10. And Paul opens up with his battle cry to us, the church, the warriors of Christ. And he says this, verse 10. Finally, be strong in the Lord. Lord, and in this strength of his might, really important, whose might? His might, his strength, not ours, it's all his. Through his strength, we'll be able to do what we're about to read. Without him, we are nothing. He goes on, verse 11, put on the whole armor of God. Whole armor of God in Greek is pronounced hapla. Which means every single piece, but it also means with urgency. Put on the whole armor of God. It's so urgent. Why? That you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. Notice there's two things that Paul is telling us to do. First of all, to realize it's his strength, not ours. And the second thing is for us to put on the whole armor of God. But I also believe that they go in an order. First of all, we need to realize his strength, and then we need to put on his armor, the full armor of God with urgency. Again, verse 11, put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. We ought to do this so we can stand and recognize the schemes of the devil. Now, every time in the Bible we read about any sort of spiritual warfare, the command is for us to stand, not to fear, not to cower, not to run away, stand firm. Remember, in his might, in his strength, with his armor. We're not called to fear the enemy church. We respect them, but we don't fear him. And what are we called to do? To be able to recognize the schemes, the strategies. And you know what? His strategies, the enemy strategies, have been the same since the very beginning. Look at Genesis 3. What are these strategies? 1 John 2, 15 through 16. This is what he says. Do not love the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. 
for all that is in the world. And here are the strategies, the schemes that the enemy uses. The desires of the flesh, the desires of the eyes, and the pride of life. Those are them. And these things, he says, are not from the Father, but are from the world. Why? Why must we be strong in him and put on his armor? Verse 12, for we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Your real enemy is not flesh and blood. Your real enemy is not your spouse. It's not your boss. They're not your children. Your real enemy is Satan. And Satan wants you to point fingers and say, don't forgive him. Don't like him. He is the enemy. But we have to realize that our enemy is spiritual and it's fought in the spiritual realm. So if that's the case, we need to have a spiritual battle in spiritual armor. We need to have a spiritual battle, but we need to put on our spiritual armor. We got to remember that, that it's not here. It's fought in a spiritual realm. We are forcing and, and, and facing a satanic battlefield in the heavenly realm. I love what I read. This is what he said. The battle is fought there, but we feel its effects here. Our war, our battle is against rulers and authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. And since our battle is spiritual, we need to fight a spiritual fight. And that's what Paul is telling us. And because of this, he goes on, verse 13, therefore, therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day. What does he mean by that? I think two things. We are tempted daily. Every day is an evil day because the enemy doesn't sleep. But the other thing, sometimes we let the enemy really get a hold of our sin nature. He has a stronghold on us. It's not an oppression that we get daily, but it could lead to a demonization. So whatever, whatever the case may be, we are called to stand firm and withstand in his strength, with his armor, the evil day. Be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand firm. There's that command again. But he also said, having done all, everything I just told you to do, make sure you do all of it. Not just a little bit, but all of it. And now, now you're ready to stand firm. And again, this words, these words stand firm, it's a command. It's not an option. It's a mandate. But remember, he's saying it with urgency. Paul's going to continue and now tell us what this armor of God consists of. And before I go there, I want to mention this. So we can remember this letter to the church in Ephesus written by Paul was written while he was in prison and house arrest. And so he was surrounded by Roman soldiers. So Paul gets his imagery of what he's about to tell us from that. He also remembers his Bible. And Isaiah quotes the same things, the same armors. And he's going to mention six elements, six pieces of armors that we are to put on. So he goes on in verse 14. He says, 
Stand. There it is again. Stand therefore, having fastened on the belt of truth. And having put on the breastplate of righteousness. Verse 15. As and as shoes for feet, having put on the readiness given by the gospel of peace. In all circumstances, take up the shield of faith. This is so important. With which you can distinguish all the flaming darts of the evil one. And take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. I think many of us are familiar with this armor. We've read about it. We've seen it. But I want us to go back and take a closer look at every armor given to us. The first thing he mentions is... The belt of truth. Now a soldier would wear a belt and primarily it did two things. It would hold up his tunic because they wore longer skirts, if you will. And it would hold up his tunic so he could be able to battle better if need be. But also it would hold up all the gear, all his armor that he was about to put up. It would hold everything in place. And what Paul is saying, our belt of truth, what it is? Is his written word, God's word. And he's saying we need to put that on. The truth is what we need to rely on to hold everything else up. I love what John 17, 17 says. He says this, sanctify them in the truth. Your word is truth. And as his holders, church, we need to know the truth, depend on the truth. And daily we're falling away from the truth. We need to listen to the word, not to the world. The world is telling us lies and Satan is the father of all lies. Deception is his primary weapon. And we need to know the truth that is only found in God's word. So let me ask you, what lies have you believing? Have you been believing? What lies is the enemy throwing your way and you're falling for them? Are you believing that your marriage will never work? Are you being told not to forgive the person? The enemy is telling you, you shouldn't forgive. Don't listen to God's word. Remember how they hurt you. Are you believing the lie that you are no good, that God doesn't love you, that no one cares? Are you believing the lie to stay quiet and not to... Share with others what you're going through? Is that the lie that the enemy is putting on your head? We need to put on our belts of truth and not listen to the lies. And rely and move and act on his truth. Paul moves on and he talks about the breastplate of righteousness. The breastplate of righteousness. Now a soldier will wear... This breastplate that covered his front and his back torso. And the primary thing that this armor did was protect his vital organs. But more importantly, it would protect his heart. And I believe that Paul right here is drawing a perfect image of the righteousness that believers have that comes from God alone. That protects us daily. I love what Paul writes in 1 Corinthians 1.30. And because of him you are in Christ Jesus who became to us wisdom from God, righteousness and sanctification and redemption. And the enemy, what he loves to do is point the arrow in our hearts of Christian living. 
The enemy wants us to fall away from the truth and not walk as a Christ follower. Authentic faith always leads to authentic living. As we spoke about last week, church, do you have your breastplate on? How is your daily walk with Christ? Are you walking in a manner worthy of his calling? Do people recognize that you are different? Are you the same person as you are now sitting here on Sunday as you are Monday through Saturday? Are you truly imitating Christ? Are you walking in his righteousness? And the enemy will tempt you daily to walk further and further and further away from God. Paul's going to move on to what I call the boots of peace. Now Roman soldiers will wear footing. And, and what they would do is put nails underneath their shoes. Kind of like spikes nowadays. And what that would allow them to do is to stand firm. It, they will be able to just not move they need to. So I'd give them a grip. And, and our footing against the enemy, our sure footing is the gospel. We know where we stand in Jesus Christ. And that should be our nails, our spikes in the ground. And remember that the war has been won that is the good news. That is the gospel of Jesus Christ. At the cross, Jesus was victorious. And we need to stand on that. We also are called to share it. To spread the good news of Jesus Christ. I love what Paul says in Romans 1.16. For I am not ashamed of the gospel. For it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes. To the Jew first. And also to the Greek. Paul's going to move on and talk about the shield of faith. Now, the soldiers, when they go out to battle, they would carry this rectangle, probably about four feet high, shield. Surrounded by bronze. But in the middle, it was covered by animal hide. And what they would do, they'd soak that shield before going into battle. So when the enemy threw the arrows of flame, they would extinguish once it hit it. But sadly, a lot of times the soldiers, what they would do is they wouldn't keep together. They'd run with a shield and they'd panic so much that when bunches of arrows came coming at them, they drop their shield and they die. Church, the enemy wants us to drop our shield daily. So when you're experiencing these flaming arrows, temptation, doubt, anger, guilt, frustration, fear, pride, shame, jealousy, hopelessness, suspiciousness, and the list and the arrows go on and on. When you're feeling them all, maybe in one season, keep your shield of faith up. Do not drop it because that's what the enemy wants. And two of the biggest arrows that I see daily, not only in this church, but churches all around are anxiety and unforgiveness. And the enemy wants us not to trust God. The enemy wants us to be nervous. The enemy wants us to worry. Hold that shield up and remember his truth. Philippians 4, 6, Paul writes this. Do not be anxious about anything. This is the promise of God, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your request be made known to God. 
And the peace of God, holding up that shield, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. I know many of us are going through this season of anxiety and are worried. Got to be reminded to trust God. He is in control. The second thing, as I mentioned, is unforgiveness. The enemy wants you not to forgive. The enemy wants you to be angry, to have this resentment. The enemy, like I said, is telling you, don't forgive them. They don't deserve it. Again, we need to trust God and act on what he says. And he tells us that we must forgive as Christ Jesus has forgiven us. Trust God. Believe him. Have faith. Don't drop your shield. He moves on to the helmet of salvation. Now, one of the most important, if not the most important gear a soldier will put on would be his helmet. Usually made out of bronze to protect his head. But interestingly enough, in battle, that would be probably one of the last things he would put on as he went in. But in our case, we need to put this helmet of salvation on first. We need to have the assurance of our position in Christ. Salvation is our helmet. And the enemy will throw the arrow and make us think that we can lose our salvation, church, once you Trust in Jesus Christ. You are justified. You have your helmet on forever. Your eternity is secure. And we need to have that assurance in us. Wearing it daily. Paul talks about this assurance in Ephesians 1. We covered it. He tells us clearly that it is a guarantee. We are sealed by the Holy Spirit. Jesus talks about our insurance, about this helmet of salvation. John 1.28. Listen to what he says. I give them eternal life. Eternal means forever. You can't stop. You can't take off the helmet of salvation because then it wouldn't be eternal. And they will never perish. Never means never. And no one will snatch them out of my hand. Church, once you put your trust in Jesus Christ, you are saved. You have eternal life. You are secure. Wear it daily. He moves on to the sword of the Spirit. Now notice so far... All of the, the gear that Paul's been describing has been defensive to protect ourselves. Now he's going to tell us how we can fight back. An offensive gear. And he talks about the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. Now soldiers would go into hand-to-hand -hand combat with a sword. Not, not too, too big, but it was a double-edged sword. But interestingly enough... This word here in Greek is not logos, it's rema. And rema in Greek means verbalization. So when Paul is speaking about the sword, which is the word of God, he's telling you, he's telling me, he's telling the church in Ephesus, he's telling believers, use God's word, verbalize it, memorize it, speak it. Don't just read it and keep it to yourself. Or don't just have a Bible there on the shelf and never use it. Verbalize it. Pronounce it. Attack the enemy. Just as Jesus did when he was tempted in the desert. What did Jesus do? He quoted scripture. And the enemy ran away. We are called to do the same. After being all suited up and ready to go. 
to stand firm in his might with his armor, Paul tells us, pray. Don't forget to pray. The power of prayer. Verse 18, he says this, praying at all times in the spirit with all prayer and supplication. To that end, he says, keep alert with all perseverance, making supplication, notice, for all the saints. He's saying pray, pray daily in all circumstances. Pray, 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 but pray for the church and be alert because the enemy is attacking the church. The enemy wants the church to fall. So he says pray, be alert, pray for one another. But he also says this, and also pray for me. That words may be given to me in opening my mouth boldly to proclaim the mystery of the gospel. For which I am an ambassador in chains. He's imprisoned. That I may declare it boldly as I ought to speak. He says pray for the church. Pray for all believers. But pray for me. Now Paul is saying pray for me that I may speak and teach and keep proclaiming the gospel. See, as I mentioned, during this time, as Paul's writing this letter, he is in chains. He is in prison. He is waiting his trial. And he doesn't know if he was going to be set free or if he was going to be killed. But he says, no matter what, pray till my last breath that I proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ. And about two years later, in about 64 AD, two years after writing this letter, Paul was killed. He was martyred under Emperor Nero. But to his last day, I can guarantee you, he proclaimed the gospel. 64 years before that, God stepped out of heaven, became Lagos, the Word in flesh. And Jesus Christ lived a perfect life for you and me putting on his armor daily and living it out. But in 33 A.D., he hung on the cross and he said this as he took his last breath, it is finished. And at that point, the enemy was like, yes, I got him. He's dead. And his apostles were, what happened? But the story wasn't over. Three days later, Jesus stepped out of the grave and said, victory is done. At that moment, the war, the war was over. Satan had been defeated. Sin is no longer have power over believers. And there is no more death in eternity with him. So I asked you, how, how can you overcome any struggles, any battles you're going through right now? Here's the answer. His might, his strength, his armor, his battle, his victory. That's the truth. Here's the answer. His truth is my triumph. Depending on his truth is our triumph. I love what Jesus says. Remember what he says in John 10.10, 10, one of my favorite verses. He says, the thief comes only to steal, to kill, and to destroy. But Jesus says, I have come to give you life. Life in abundance. Church, the enemy is going to try to discourage you, distract you, but he will never defeat you. Not because of our victory, but because of his. 
one of the things that soldiers never, ever, ever did was go into battle by themselves. They pick up all their armor, they hold their shields, and they go into battles together. And so you've seen this, I'm sure, in movies like Gladiator. They come together and they hold their shields up together to make this wall. That is us. We need to come together as this church and hold our shields together. So no matter what the enemy's throwing at us, together as this church, we're protected behind his shield, behind the shield of faith. The enemy wants you to depart from that, not be in community. Don't. Stay together. That's what we're called to do. That is his church. And that's my prayer as Grace Bible Church. Not to listen to the lies, but together hold firm. In his might, in his name, the name above all names. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your son's victory. Let us be reminded as we just read that it's not ours. We have nothing and can do nothing about it. It is your son's and his alone, his perfect life, his perfect obedience to the point of death and his resurrection is what makes him victorious. And when we trust in that, we too are victorious. And I know, Father, <laughs> you know, I know the enemy is shaking in his boots right now. Because the truth has been told. So let's be your soldiers and walk out of this building not fearing him, but knowing who has won. Let's be a church that shares this good news of the victory, the gospel, the good news of your son, Jesus Christ. We pray all these things in his name. Amen. I love you, church. Have a blessed week.